Chapter One, Part Two of the Life Story of a Russian Exile by Marie Sukloff, translated by Gregory Yaros. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter One, Part Two. The summer passed. When it began to grow cold, my mother took me to town, and I entered upon my new career as a tailor's apprentice the shop had no particular attraction for me i was used to the free pure air of the fields the severest frosts and storms could not keep us children in the house we never took cold although not dressed according to the season and here i had to sit the whole day in a close ill-smelling room at times my duties kept me there till midnight my master did not even think of teaching me to sew most of the time i was busy with his two little children whom the mistress always left in my care i was apprenticed for two years it was agreed that i was to be allowed to go home for the field work season the understanding was that i should work one year without pay and get twenty-five roubles for the second year but fate played me one of her tricks toward the end of the second year when i constantly thought of and counted the money i was to get unexpected events occurred and i never saw my hard-earned twenty-five roubles in the spring of eighteen ninety eight the workmen of vilna were striking for a ten-hour workday the bund a secret organization of working men which was formed shortly before conducted the strike it published an illegal pamphlet entitled eight-hour day and distributed it in all the cities and towns round about one of these pamphlets found its way into our shop the workmen at our shop discussed it in undertones a secret meeting of several shops took place where it was decided to declare a strike before easter demanding a ten-hour day i was not taken into the secret either because i was too young or because they did not consider me a real shop worker as i passed the summers in the village but i succeeded without much difficulty in finding out all their schemes with extreme impatience i waited for the strike returning home after work i related to my girlfriends all the great things that were expected in town at last the appointed day arrived and the working men of smorgon struck i too refused to work much to the surprise of our shop people the strike lasted only several hours the employers wisely decided to yield as it was a week before easter the busiest season of the year they conceded all the workers demands but after easter they were all discharged and had to return to work on the old terms i however was not taken back this circumstance created quite an impression among the working men who regarded me as a sufferer when i think of it now and to what it subsequently led i am deeply grateful to fate although it is true that from that time i became a source of worry and torture to our family my brothers and sisters were married had children and were happy in their own way while i spent my young years in russian and siberian prisons but to return to smorgon the working men disappointed at the unsuccessful strike began to look for new means of reducing the hours of labour they organized secret educational circles where they read about the lives of working men in foreign countries and their struggles for rights and liberty i was admitted to one of these circles one day the daughter of the rabbi from smorgon called at our house the rabbi it must be explained was considered a rich man and of aristocratic lineage 
his children received their education in vilna and were known in the village as free thinkers naturally the daughter's visit to our humble dwelling aroused the curiosity of our village inhabitants the windows of our house were immediately beleaguered by a crowd of inquisitive folk the neighbors suddenly missed various kitchen utensils and came to us to borrow stopping for a while to have a good look at the rabbi's daughter whose hair was short and who wore pince-nez her name was hannah when the neighbors were busy discussing her appearance she whispered to me come to our house next saturday after dinner don't tell anybody about it impatiently i waited for saturday to come what will i see there i kept asking myself and my imagination drew fantastic pictures one more beautiful than the other at last the much-desired day arrived with my shoes thrown over my shoulder i set out at a rapid pace when i neared the town i put on my shoes without stockings and continued at a slower gait to my great shame i must confess that when i approached the rabbi's massive dwelling my heart began to beat violently and my courage left me and the pictures in which i saw myself as the heroine of the day vanished my friend hannah who must have been waiting for me saw me through the window she came out and conducted me into a poorly lighted room where several girls were already assembled the window blinds were lowered and the door locked the room became still darker sisters began hannah the first thing you must know is that you must not tell anybody what is going on here all were silent hannah took out a thin pamphlet and began to read once upon a time there lived four brothers this pamphlet entitled four brothers is a forbidden publication it tells the story of four brothers who were born and lived in a forest they decided to travel and start out in different directions when they return they recount the many acts of cruelty they have seen and met with in the world and discuss measures to bring about justice and equality after the reading we went away having arranged to meet the following saturday these saturday readings opened up new worlds to me i had never thought of large cities and how people lived in them and my desire to learn grew with every week besides reading forbidden literature hannah taught us history and geography that is she read while we sat and listened frequently interrupting her with questions it all was so sudden and wonderful that i made up my mind to study at any cost that i might be able to read those wonderful books myself i told hannah and she undertook to teach me every friday evening i walked into town and hannah taught me to read and write i kept my studies secret even from my father because among us it was considered a mortal sin to write on friday evening i was progressing in my studies when new developments made it necessary for me to give them up for some time a strike of the stocking weavers in vilna had been declared their conditions of labor and pay were such that they could not continue on the old terms they did not earn enough for the bare necessities of life but the employers flatly refused to grant any increase in pay they had stocking machines in every little town in the province and were getting the goods made at even lower price than they had to pay to city employees the bunt the secret organization mentioned before decided to organize a strike of all the stocking weavers in the district with this purpose in view a young woman agitator came to smorgon one evening when all the family were gathered round the supper-table hannah and the newcomer called on us my father was greatly flattered by their visit and received them very cordially 
the samovar was put up a thing we seldom did for ourselves mother even procured some jelly and cake they sat and chatted for a while no one knew the object of their visit when they were leaving and i showed them to the door hannah said to me what do you think will it be possible to hold a secret meeting in your house how would your parents look upon it after considering for a moment i suggested that it would be better to meet in the forest i knew all the secret paths there they agreed there and then standing in the dark passage we worked out a plan for the morrow's meeting we decided to meet in the morning when the inhabitants of the village were away in the field on the following morning the large oak trees hid from view a few young girls who were cautiously making their way through the forest the oldest of them hannah was seventeen years of age the place chosen for the meeting was familiar to me yet a short time before i had played hide-and-seek there with my village companions but how different it had all become the organizer made a speech she spoke of the life of the stocking weavers in vilna some were starving others had been imprisoned their only demand was an increase of one kopeck on a pair of stockings but she not only pictured to us the miseries of their existence she also spoke about the coming victory there will come a day she said when there will be neither rich nor poor all will be equal we will make it come only we must unite for the struggle she uttered these words with almost religious fervour their impression upon me was tremendous my faith in all she said was so great that i already pictured to myself our humble village changed beyond recognition the huts disappeared in their places stood magnificent dwellings in which happy people lived a happy life to make that change seemed to me a very simple thing to do we must unite and take the land away from the rich proprietors i thought they hold it and do not use it so it will be all the same to them but we need it very badly i was so absorbed in the plan of converting our village into a veritable paradise on earth that i did not hear how the girls had decided to send agitators to the cities of slonim and oshmiani to call a strike of the local stocking weavers my thoughts were interrupted by hannah who asked me if i wanted to go with her and help her organize a strike there yes of course i hastened to reply towards noon we dispersed and i promised hannah to come to her on the next day hannah evidently did not understand what it meant to me to stop work in the middle of the week leave my home and go to the city i did not even know where that city was i had never been farther than smorgon but the impression made upon me by the girl's speech was such that i did not stop to think how i would go away and what i would say to my parents what does it matter i thought afterward anyway there will soon be an end to our poverty when on my return home mother reprimanded me for being away from the field i answered her oh mamma dear if you knew what a grand time we will soon have there will be neither rich nor poor what nonsense are you talking cried my mother where did you get all these stupid notions i suppose that philosopher is teaching you all this trash mother meant hannah it was very painful to me that mother was so ignorant and could not understand such a simple thing but i consoled myself with the thought that she would understand when the time came i did not venture however to mention anything about going to the city morning came my parents went away i hastily dressed myself in my best and said to my sisters tell mamma that i went to hannah and i ran out of the house fearing that somebody might come and detain me a conveyance was waiting in the rabbi's yard 
the old nag urged on by a long whip in the hands of our driver pulled at the wagon lazily and we started our wagon lurched and jolted on the rough road clouds of dust rose from under the horses hoofs the sun was burning fiercely i looked at the unmown fields and a feeling of sadness filled my heart how uneasy father will feel when i shall not come to sleep i thought but i did not share my thought with hannah i did not want to lower myself in her estimation she evidently considered me more independent and i derived great satisfaction from her opinion of me four days we travelled thus stopping overnight in peasant huts about noon of the fifth day we arrived in slonim where we stopped at an inn having instructed our driver to wait for us there we went to look over the city our plan of action was a very simple one we decided to look into every house through the windows and go in wherever we saw a stocking machine hannah walked on one side of the street and i on the other after a long search i saw a girl sitting at a machine i went in women and children crowded around me and began to question me who i was and what i wanted i had been sent by the secret organization the bunt to organize a strike of the stocking weavers i said and i immediately began to describe that wonderful rich time which was to come soon there will be neither rich nor poor i concluded solemnly i sincerely believed in what i was saying and my hearers were carried away by my enthusiasm they asked me to take off my things and gave me to eat hannah also came in having grown tired of waiting we sent a girl to call the other stocking weavers in about an hour the house was filled i mounted a chair and unexpectedly to myself exhorted them to strike for the abolition of the unjust system let there be neither rich nor poor let there be equality i shouted the girls were much impressed by my speech it was arranged to call a meeting of all the stocking weavers in the city in the evening hannah and i were conducted to the meeting-place a large old structure it turned out to be a jewish synagogue it was in semi-darkness and crowded with girls of all ages hannah explained to them the demands which they were to submit to their contractors the next morning and i was getting ready to make a speech when someone cried gorodovoy policeman terror seized everybody someone wisely put out the candles great confusion ensued pushing and jostling each other all made for the door some fell but all were silent only the heavy breathing of the frightened girls could be heard in the darkness gradually the room was cleared hannah took me by the arm and we went out we had better leave this city immediately she said to me otherwise we shall be arrested that very evening we left for oshmiani this city made a great impression upon me i had never before seen such nice houses and well-lighted streets this is a real paradise i thought to myself hannah had a number of friends there and matters were arranged quickly soon all the stocking weavers joined the strike having accomplished our purpose hannah and i returned to our homes with a beating heart i approached our village the broken panes of our cheerless hut greeted my eyes and filled me with longing for the beautiful houses of the city end of chapter one recording by expatriate in bangor maine